Welcome, everyone, to another edition of Governed by God, a biblical look at law, civics, and government. My name is Eric Lupo. Thank you for joining me on today's episode in 2024. This is the first episode of the new year. I hope you had a blessed Christmas and a happy new year. And on this first episode of 2024, I'm going to be analyzing and reviewing a portion of an interview between Dr. Jordan Peterson and Sam Harris, a rather famous and very smart uh, atheist. And before I do that, though, let's go to our passage of the day, which is going to be related to our topic, but the passage is Psalm 53. All right, now this is a Psalm of David. Here's what it says. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt, doing abominable iniquity. There is none who does good. God looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand who seek after God. They have all fallen away. Together they have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Have those who work evil no knowledge, who eat up my people as they eat bread, and do not call upon God? There they are in great terror, where there is no terror. For God scatters the bones of him who encamps against you. You put them to shame, for God has rejected them. Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion. When God restores the fortunes of his people, let Jacob rejoice, let Israel be glad. So it's a fairly short psalm, also a kind of a well-known one. It is quoted extensively by the Apostle Paul in, in the book of Romans when he talks about um, the utter sinfulness of mankind, how everyone has fallen away, and there is no one who, by nature, does what is good. And so what this requires then is that God must do something. God has to perform some sort of miracle in order to bring understanding to mankind about sin and to save mankind from its sin. And King David begins the psalm with saying that the fool says in his heart, there is no God. So the, the denial of God's existence is an act of foolishness, is what the scripture says. And this is not the only place that it says it. Of course, it's, you know, everyone sins. It's one thing for everyone to sin, which they do. It goes beyond that to say, to explicitly declare there is no God. And that is a foolish statement. Now, that might be a little strong, but I believe it's quite applicable to the conversation between Dr. Jordan Peterson and Sam Harris. Like I said, Sam Harris is a well-known atheist, pretty much considered one of the premier intellectuals from an atheist perspective. And in this podcast episode, which I encourage you to uh, listen to on YouTube uh, or uh, on podcasts, um, it's about two hours long, and they discuss issues of morality. Is there such a thing as evil? What is morality? Where does it come from? Uh, Things like that. So I want to play just the last, oh, eight minutes or so of the discussion. Because I think what you'll see in this is you'll see, I would say, the premier atheist position on morality and the solution to evil. For those of you listening who are Christians, it's important that you hear what the other side, the best of what the other side has to say, so that you can understand it and respond to it. And we can't shy away from difficult topics. And so that's why I think these last eight minutes are so important to to look at and to analyze. So I'm gonna I'm gonna play the clip 
And I'm going to stop intermittently in order to offer some analysis and critique. Now, there's a lot of context that's missing here, but essentially uh, they are at the point where they're trying to find a explanation for evil from the atheist perspective. And Sam Harris is presenting uh, his concept of evil and the solution to evil from his perspective. So with that, let's begin. But I think it's possible and perhaps even more useful to view evil. And I, it's, it's, it's unavoidable to talk about evil, you know, just as a matter of shorthand in talking about current events. And I think, and I think we don't want to lose the term because I think it's, I think moral outrage is the kind of fuel we need in at certain moments, to, and 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 that's invoked by, by you know, question you know, framing things in terms of good and evil. So I want to stop there for a second. So he recognizes that it's important to use moral outrage, the terms evil, to depict moral outrage and to express, I guess, one's um, perspective concerning certain behavior that that this behavior is so bad that we need to use the terms evil. And he's got no problem with using those terms simply to express more outrage. But keep in mind, as you listen to this, always ask yourself, what is his foundation? Okay, this is how we get to the underlying issues, the differences between the believer and the atheist, uh, that you have to look at the foundations of the argument he believes there are such things as moral evil. And, uh, but the question is, well, who gets to decide what counts as evil? And why would that exist in a very cold, impersonal universe formed through Darwinian evolution? So let's see what he has to say about uh, what evil is. I think it's at least plausible to think of evil at bottom as being more a matter of ignorance than anything else. And this certainly would be the Buddhist framing of, of evil. I mean, Buddh Buddhists don't tend to think about evil, and certainly the Buddhist teachings about this weren't really a matter of evil versus good. It's it's more a matter of ignorance versus wisdom. Okay, so there's his, there's his thesis that evil is really the result of ignorance, a lack of knowledge. Now, I would say in some sense that's true, okay? We just said that the fool says in his heart there is no God, um, and the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, as Scripture says. And there is a sense of uh, ignorance, but it's not an ignorance in which the person is innocent. It's a willful ignorance. It's a suppression of the truth in unrighteousness, as Romans says. So the Bible teaches... Um, that everyone does know God deep down because they're made in his image, Romans chapter 1, and so therefore they don't have an excuse. They might be ignorant of some things, or they've pushed themselves into a willful kind of ignorance where they, they keep their eyes closed. They shut their eyes in, the, in an attempt to make God go away. But what Sam Harris is talking about is different kind of ignorance, and I'm not sure... It, we'll find out if this ignorance uh, is something that people are responsible for. Are they responsible for the ignorance that they face? So let's see. Um, and even, you know, Greek philosophy, you know, Socrates, I believe, made this point that, you know, no one 
consciously or very, very few people consciously do evil. I mean, but you have a lot of people thinking they're doing good in their own way, um, despite how much harm they're creating. Okay. That's an important point. He's making the claim that very few people actually think of themselves as evil. I would say probably, honestly, no one thinks that they're evil. Honestly. Everyone thinks that they're the good guy. And if you read some of the writings of the most wicked people that you can think of, the Hitlers and the Stalins, uh, if you read what they wrote, they did view themselves as the good guys. They did. From their own perspective, from their starting point, from their assumptions of the world and their worldview, they viewed themselves as the heroes of the story. So I do think that it's not so simple as what the Marvel comic books depict. People don't think of themselves as the bad guy, okay? Um, they think that they're doing well and that they're doing the right thing, but the result is evil. What is the common statement that the road to hell is paved with good intentions? People mean well, but at the end of the day, the result is evil. So the deeper problem may in fact be ignorance. And, and one way of seeing this, you, you can ask yourself, you, you take somebody, take a quintessentially evil person. You know, do you, do you have a candidate for like the, the most evil person uh, you can think of? Psychologically? Who's, like, can you give me a name? Stalin. Stalin's kind of. Okay. Stalin would be up there, right. I would so, say. So you take Stalin. Now, at a certain point in his life, he was just a little kid, right? He was just, he was just this, you know, the four-year-old Joseph who was, in my view, I mean, he could he could have been a psychopathic kid. I don't I don't know about enough about his his biography, but and you know, presumably he wasn't a doesn't seem so. Yeah, it, presumably he wasn't a terrifying infant, you know. But at a certain point, you have you know, if you, at a point young enough in his timeline, you have to just acknowledge that he really is unlucky. I mean, he's the kid. Who, for whatever reason, you know, genetic and environmental, uh, is going to become the evil monster Joseph Stalin, right? And so, at what point along the way does he actually become evil? Well, that's hard to specify. I mean, you, there'll be moments in his story where we can recognize, all right, he's now not a a normal, much less normative personality, right? He's treating he's treating people sadistically, and so I don't know when that started. But so let's pause there. All right. So the next premise, if evil is a matter of ignorance, take an example, Joseph Stalin. When did he become, quote unquote, become evil? Now, Sam Harris here says that he is a very unlucky person. So that, you know, that we got to be careful about the language that we use. I mean, again, and he is using accurate language. I mean, in a world of Darwinian evolution, everything is chance. And poor Stalin just ended up with a bad hand. He was dealt a bad hand, particularly unlucky kid, to get what he got. Now, here's the thing. Uh, Sam Harris invokes two things, essentially the nature and the nurture, the genetics and the environment. All right. Now, this is important because from, from Harris's perspective, we are just material beings. Everything is purely material. So it's a material universe and material stuff, genetics. Okay. It's your environment. And it's your genetics that make up who you are 100%. And everything you do is determined by that. And if someone had an, a powerful enough calculator, they could 
kind of predict your behavior based on your genetics and on your environment. I mean, that, that is the logical conclusion of that. But the point here, though, is that he's assuming that Joseph Stalin starts off with a blank slate. That's the, he doesn't use that phraseology. Sam Harris does not use that term, blank slate or tabula rasa, but he, he seems to be assuming that. He says at some point along the way, he became, quote unquote, evil, and he started doing these things. Now, how do you explain that? Okay, I don't think Sam Harris has explained it yet as to how that happens. He says it's genetics and environmental. The problem, though, is that a lot of people experience, uh, have genetics and an environment that, are, that were worse than Stalin's or worse than Hitler's, and, and they didn't become like that. Okay, many of them went on to become normal people, all right? But the Bible makes it clear that everyone is fallen. By nature, we're all sinners. We're dead in our trespasses and sins. And God is the one restraining us from doing as much evil as we would like to do. Uh, so that's why there are differentiations between some people and others as far as how much evil they engage in and how given over they are to their sin. So the Bible can account for this. And so far, we've only seen really genetics and the environment. Um, but when you test that against all cases, it doesn't, it doesn't seem to account for everything. So let's continue. There's a point before that where you think, well, listen, if there'd be any way to have helped this kid not become this evil monster, we should have helped him, right? We would have helped him if we could. And that would have been the right thing to do, right? So well, hold on. That's an important point that he just made there too. That would have been the right thing to do is to help him. Why? Why in a cold, impersonal, blind, random universe are we obligated to help him? I mean, if he is the product of Darwinian evolution, genetics and nature, all the stuff, why do we need to help him? Isn't isn't this part of the way the world works that, you know, bad people come up and, and maybe nature wants us to have a Stalin. Maybe the universe wants a Stalin to exist to, to purge the weak or something like that, right? Um, again, you have to still, he's still applying an objective moral standard. He's saying we were obligated to help him if we could. And the, and the question still is, why are we obligated? Where did that obligation come from? All right. It doesn't really explain that. So merely hating him and killing him is, would, would not have been the ethically normative thing to have done there because he's not yet the person who created all the harms he, he goes on to create. Okay. So he, now he's invoking another standard. You don't kill people before they do the bad things. Well, well, why not? I mean, if you could, this goes into like minority report stuff, but if you could predict that someone is going to do something bad, why don't you kill them before they do it? Okay. Uh, again, he is importing a moral framework. He is importing the assumption that we don't kill people for things they did not yet do. And I agree with that. I I agree with that. But that is... That is not a law or a principle. 
that comes out of an evolutionary mindset. It doesn't come out of Darwinian evolutionary theory. Uh, and but I would say that even if you go forward, even if you if you get him in his truly malevolent form, you know, toward the you know the, the middle and end of his life, imagine what it would be like if we had Joseph Stalin at his worst in custody, and we had a a much more mature science of the mind available to us, and we actually had a cure for evil. I mean, just imagine what it would be like to deliver this cure. We can actually just just modify all of the receptor sites and densities and connections in the brain so, to, so as to turn this malevolent sociopath into a, an entirely normal person with the normal pro-social attitudes, et cetera, et cetera. But keeping intact his biographical memory and uh, the other aspects of his identity, right? So, so imagine being able to engineer the following experience for Joseph Stalin, where you deliver him the, the cure for, for all that ails him ethically. And but he has, still has a memory. He has a, he has a, he has the knowledge of what you're doing. You've told him what you're doing, and he has the memory of all the stuff, all the malevolent stuff he did in his past. Let me pause there. So this is the solution that that Sam Harris is proposing. But again, it starts off with the assumption that everything is purely material. So if the problem is something in the brain, it's something material and chemical. Then theoretically, the solution is purely chemical and material. You just administer some kind of drug that, I guess, wakes the person up from this stupor that they were in, this evil, malevolent uh, state that they were in, and it just converts them to a normal person. And I use that word on purpose, convert, because that's what he's talking about. I mean, think about it from a Christian, from the Christian's perspective, what is God doing? when a person is saved from sin? Well, uh, God, through the Holy Spirit, is bringing that person to life, and the Holy Spirit indwells them. So they do need something. They do need something. But the something that they need is not a chemical drug or some kind of material injection in the brain. It's something deeper. It's something spiritual. That's what they need. They need spiritual life. And God changes the person. And guess what? They do keep the memories of the wicked behavior that they did. That, that's why we have testimonies. That's why Christians can talk about how different people they were before Christ. And just what a drastic change took place when God saved them. And, and Sam Harris here is saying... Well, we would have such a wonderful testimony, too, from Stalin. Like, he would retain all of his memories. He would realize what kind of a monster he was. and But he would no longer be that monster. Sam Harris is looking for a way that people can be saved. That's what he's looking for. Now, the one question that I find very interesting here, that he doesn't address, is would the moral monster Stalin, before this injection... Would he want to be injected? And that's a conundrum, right? Because uh, if the evil person does not think of themselves as evil, then they don't think that they are in need of a cure. Hey, funny thing. Unbelievers today don't think they need the gospel. People don't think that they need to be saved. And they reject Christ 
every day? Well, what makes Sam Harris think that people are just going to receive this injection? And this injection is going to change them as a person. Well, maybe they like the person that they are. Maybe they don't want to change. Are we morally obligated to force them to receive the injection against their will? Where you know, because there that that gets to the whole idea of you know, quote unquote, free will and and predestination, right? And in some sense, interestingly, God saves us against our will. He changes our will uh, so that we want to love Him. It's not that He saves us and we still hate Him. No, no, no. But we did not want to love God first. But when He changed us. Our heart was changed and our will was turned toward Christ, not away from. It was already turned away from Christ. God turns it toward Christ, but that's God's doing. That's not our doing. And what Sam Harris is proposing is essentially an atheistic form of Calvinism where, well, people aren't totally depraved, but they're in this state that they can't fix themselves in, right? They cannot save themselves. They need something from the outside, an injection, a chemical injection from the outside to save them. And uh, who gets selected? Well, you know, maybe it's unconditional or maybe it's only the really, really bad ones that need to get selected. But then uh, it's irresistible, right? Apparently this chemical, you know, would theoretically always work and it would be guaranteed uh, powerful enough to overcome evil like the holy spirit and the person would persevere they would not go they would not uh, regress back to their old ways uh, just like the holy spirit protects believers and preserves them in christ so he's just offering a gospel without jesus it's a man-made man saving himself gospel uh, but he recognizes that apparently people need to be saved so let's continue imagine what it would be like for him to to wake up from the dream of his sociopathy and experience for the first time what it was like to be a normal, well-intentioned, decent human being, right? That would be a wonderful testimony that millions upon millions of Christians have. Uh, so he wants the same thing. It'd be, it'd be a great testimony, but it wouldn't be a testimony, in this case, it wouldn't be a testimony to God's graciousness, but to man's genius for creating a chemical that can save us from our sins. Imagine what that would be like. Imagine if you just woke up tomorrow recognizing that you had in this fugue state of psychopathy over the previous year, you had killed, you know, 60 million people and uh, done other, you know, odious things. Why are those wrong? I believe that they're wrong, but he can't account for that. He's still importing or assuming a morality that, you know, killing 60 million people is wrong. But he can't account for that in a universe that there is no such thing as good or evil. It just is. Stuff happens, man. We live in a messed up universe uh, that's a one giant chemical reaction and some people get burned. Some people get caught in the machinery. It's just the way it is. You can't you can't label it evil. That's a personal preference of yours from an atheistic perspective. So he doesn't uh, address that issue, though. Just imagine the imagine the one the feeling of of 
of uh, regret to have been at all entangled with that causality, how, however, you, you know, little purchase you have on it in the present, because again, you're no longer evil. But to imagine the gratitude of feeling of just being rescued from that the, the kind of mind that would have been, you know, so cavalier about the, the deaths and, and immiseration of millions of people. So the gratitude to whom? Who are you thankful for or thankful to? And that's the thing. Again, as Christians, we are saved and we give thanks to God for his mercy and his grace. But in this situation with Sam Harris, this this theory, who would he be thankful to? Mankind? Thankful to humanity for developing and and creating this chemical injection? And then because you can't just thank the people that injected him. You have to thank the people that made it. But the people that made it didn't make it in a vacuum. It was built off of centuries of human testing and scientific evaluation and analyzing and experimentation. So all of mankind can be thanked for saving this man. So that's, I guess that's who he's going to have to thank. So that, the fact that this is even possible, this thought experiment, that at some future date we'll have a, a way of curing evil people and that it would make no sense ethically at that point to go to go into our prisons and say, well, we're, we're going to withhold the cure because as, as punishment for all the evil stuff these people did. It's like, you know, that's like withholding the cure for, for diabetes for from, you know, diabetics the moment we get it because, you know, of all the, the bad things they did when their blood sugar was too low. You know, I mean, it's just, it, does, it, does, it wouldn't make any sense ethically. So he's basically arguing that, you know, the gates would be open wide. We would save as many as we can. We would just save them all with this cure. Uh, there's no reason to to deny it to somebody. Well, again, not sure why. Um, why are we obligated to to administer the drug to everybody? But that's fine. Uh, it's just, it's very interesting that that you know this good news of this drug should be shared with everybody without condition without excuse, without reservation, without bias or distinction. It's it's good news of great joy for all the people, this hypothetical uh, chemical drug in the future. It's a, wow, that sounds a lot like the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. But that suggests a kind, that, that ignorance is more of the problem here. It's like evil people because of the brains they have, because of the life lives they've had, because of the, the, if you want to add, you know, a religious dimension to it, because of the souls they have, the souls they didn't pick, um, they're unlucky to be evil and unavailable to, you know, much of the, the human goodness you and I experience. And um, if we could change that, they would, they would be standing with us in a position of astonishment that they could have ever been those sorts of people. Who are you to suggest that that is the place that they should stand? I mean, you're suggesting that those people are standing over there, they're doing evil, and you're standing over here, but your eyes are clear. Your eyes are open. You can see clearly. Well, wait a minute. What makes you right and them wrong? And, And again, these questions have to get answered. Um, because at, at this point, if they're not answered, it just becomes a uh, he said, she said, I am right, you are wrong, because I said so, or because science says so, or because the majority vote 
says so. Those are all fallacious appeals to authority. But who who says, right, is, is the question there. Uh, why shouldn't the psychopath tell us that we need to be on his side? Because that's the right place to be. And, and the evil people are simply unlucky. Uh, again, the universe does not care. And interestingly, Sam does mention souls, although I, I think he's doing so mockingly, um, souls that they didn't pick. Uh, well, you know, in, in his scenario, people got brains and, and genetics that they didn't pick either. So you can't avoid the people get what they don't pick kind of situation. Although in the Christian perspective, there is still a human will involved where the person hardens their heart. They don't seek after God and they embrace their sin and they go further and further, deeper and darker into their sin and God gives them over. And that's how they fall into the the utter wickedness and immoral behavior. But before that, God is restraining people and not letting them be as evil as they could be. And so I think I do think at, at you know at some level the question of good and evil is amenable to a to a different framing which is more along the lines of of wisdom and and ignorance. Well, that's interesting because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but he's saying no, it's not. And I, I don't know what he would say is because again you have to define what's wisdom, what's ignorance. There's plenty of very smart people who have done very evil things. So what are they ignorant of? See, I don't understand that. Is it, you know, a lack of knowledge, like book learning? What do they need to know in order to be saved? He doesn't really explain that, what this ignorance is, okay, or or what they're lacking. They lack wisdom, they lack ignorance, but what is that? Because that's not a material thing, by the way. Wisdom is not a material thing. And that's the, that's the problem, right? Because you know, pen and ink uh, on, on, on paper, that's material. But what are the words? The information, is that material? No, the information is immaterial. Logic is immaterial, right? Uh, so these things are immaterial, but he's saying that a material thing, like a chemical injection, could provide an immaterial solution, namely wisdom, uh, in order to solve the ignorance. And, uh, I, there's just so many holes and so many problems with this with this theory, but it just indicates just how much Sam Harris recognizes there's a problem. We need to be saved. And once people get saved, everyone should be given this salvation. And what a testimony it would be if those people uh, were to were to be saved out of their the state that they're in. And and as Christians, we should be like, yes. And guess what the answer is? It's not some chemical injection. It's Jesus Christ. You don't know. People don't know well, what they're missing. That, that's the, that across across mm-hmm. every possible dimension of uh, both intellectual and ethical uh, and relational. You know, I, and and whole societies don't know what they're missing. And and figuring figuring out what's missing mm-hmm. and what and what we're missing is 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 all of our work. All right, so that is the end of that. But let me think about this. People don't know what they're missing. Where have you heard that before? Christians say that all the time. You know, as from as a believer, we have Christ. We have the Holy Spirit. We're in covenant with God the Father. And people don't know what they're missing. Societies don't know what they're missing. What's funny is that 
Sam Harris claims to know what is missing. What what gives him the credentials to to say that? How does he how does he stand on that on that premise? Why does he have the solution and no one else does? So so he says he's got it. He has the the answer, but no one else does. And uh, as Christians, we would say, yeah, we have the answer too. It was given to us. We didn't create the answer. It's not my answer. It's God's answer. It's God's solution to the problem of sin, evil, and death. Um, so people don't know what they're missing. Again, this good news, it'd be so good if people just heard and understood. Yes, that's right. But it's the good news of Christ. It's not the good news of some needle, some injection or pill that would save us. So um, I share that with you because this is, in all honesty, I would say this is the best that the other side can offer. This is the best that atheism can provide. But you have to understand, they go in, they, they come at the problem of evil with certain assumptions, assumptions such as we're all material beings, so the solution must be material. But the, but the thing is, they can't account for evil. Uh, you saw that he was importing all these principles, all these moral claims that he didn't account for. He's borrowing them from somewhere. And that, again, is made clear in Scripture in Romans chapter 2. Uh, even those without the law of God, they have it written on their heart. They have an understanding of God's law. They can't escape it because they live in God's world and are made in God's image. So um, I hope that you found this to be useful and informative, and I would encourage you to listen to the whole episode uh, on YouTube or any other podcast platform, but, but be able to talk about these things, the issue of evil and salvation and suffering, um, ignorance and wisdom, uh, be able to talk about that with your neighbor and your coworker and your friend and your family member because that's our job as Christians. We People have a yearning to be saved. Uh, they know that. Even the atheist understands that. But they're looking in the wrong places and they're coming at it with faulty assumptions. So with that, I encourage you to share this show uh, with a friend. Uh, if you want to support the show, please Go to patreon.com, look up Governed by God. I would welcome the support to keep the lights on and get the uh, podcast out to more people. Please give the thumbs up, stars, and the reviews as necessary. And also, if you have any questions or comments or want to have more discussion about this particular topic or this uh, this uh, interview, now please email me at thegbgpodcast at gmail.com. Go on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, look for Governed by God, and you could message me there. So thank you again, and until next time, take care, and God bless.